Welcome to Hannibal's Horny Hibachi and Season 3. We are a weekly dinner party that watches and discusses an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hi, I'm Celeste. I'm a nerd, an artist, and I'm new to Hannibal. I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. And this week, we watched The Great Red Dragon, which first aired July 25th, 2015. This episode, we get to see a hot dude do hot yoga in his underwear, so I'm okay. (laughs) That we finally reached Sonia's favorite part. basically half the episode. (laughs) But before we move on, uh, at the time of this recording on April 25th, they just announced, police in California just announced that they caught the original Night Stalker or aka the East Area Rapist aka the Golden State Killer so we're all it's like Christmas around here for the true crime people because like this has been a case going on since like the freaking like 70s I think we talked about it briefly when I was freaking out about his picture (laughs) before in season one episode because I showed them an episode uh, I showed them a picture of uh, a composite sketch of what he looked like and he's wearing like a balclava mask and his eyes are just all creepy and stuff (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Bulgy>. <laughs> so they caught the guy, but we were discussing off mic about how um, JJ hopes he's he's the Hannibal and not the Will. Yeah. And then she laughed harder when she found out the the guy accused of being the East Area Rapist is a cop as well. <laughs> so next like, cop. No. Yeah. yeah, so I thought, yeah, hopefully they caught the real killer and not the not killer. Oh, or we'll lose a Beverly. No. Uh, no. <laughs> but I think next episode, next episode we record, we'll all probably talk about it for even though like i think every single podcast right now that does true crime is rushing to update there it's a good thing we're recording today then. <laughs> exactly. but it's pretty exciting i'm really glad that like i think this gives a lot of hope to people who have had bad things happen in the past because like this is almost, like a lot of people came to true crime because of the original night stalker like a lot of people got interested in it like hmm. there was an episode about him on the uh unsolved mysteries episode uh unsolved mystery series like a few years back and it's pretty cool like so it's basically like if zodiac was caught like mm. if zodiac ever gets gets caught then like it's all over like mm. there's no more true crime <laughs> so oh, <laughs> i will retire <laughs> but anyway uh so to start the episode we begin with francis dollarhide whose crime scene we started hannibal with in season one mm. If you recall, episode one's crime scene was Dollar Hides. I also feel called out by this episode as Dollar Hide is involved in film, and so are the three of us. Jeez, <laughs> like, everybody's well, is creepy. <laughs> to be fair, he's, he's, he's a delivery boy. <laughs> I don't really know a lot about him from this episode. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, we, more, we, yeah. we yeah. just just met him, but I just want to give kudos. I want to give kudos to Richard Armitage, the actor who plays Dollar Hide. Dollar Hyde does a damn good job. I know. I was really surprised, like, because, um, like, I only knew him from um, the TV show The Victor, Vicar of Dibley and from The Hobbit, which I didn't like because uh, The Hobbit was my favorite book. Wait, who was he in The Hobbit? He played uh, Thorint, oh. the Oak and Shield. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's pretty cute in that too. So, but uh, mm-hmm. which I mentioned later in this episode, uh, I mentioned that he is again playing a person obsessed with the red dragon. That's a Love but I, I like because I originally wanted um, either uh, Michael Shannon to play. Like that's my dream dollar hide because he's like, well, Michael Shannon looks creepy in real life anyway. But I think they made a really good choice with Richard Armitage. Like he's just enough uh, like normal looking to not mm. be suspected. So because I think in the books they they really go to lengths to to give you a worldview into what Dollar Hyde thinks of himself, and he thinks like he's this ugly monster man. Mm-hmm. And in reality, when you hear other people describe him, he's like, oh, yeah, he's just, he's normal if a bit quiet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but I am here for a hot dude in his underwear doing hot yoga. I'm here for that. <laughs> God bless Brian Fuller for the female gaze. But I like that where it's like uh, you see him before the tattoo, almost working up the strength towards his tattoo. And then we see him get the, what is it, William Blake? So William Blake, Blake. Well, the William Blake uh, watercolor, the dragon tattoo. Like he gets the strength to get that tattoo. Yeah, yeah. because well, what's happening? I don't know. I, I just so. figured. I figured it was that strong to get a tattoo. Yes, <laughs> well, I, just, I just figured it was an interesting. Um, I don't know if you want to say metaphor, but you know, just him working out. It's like okay, he's working up the nerve. Here we go. He's going to get the tattoo, which I don't think it has anything to do with the pain of the tattoo. It's actually the content. Oh, because as you'll learn later, but, like the nice like broad. 
like shoulder and back. Yeah, to just have so a tattoo it, on. yeah, so it all looks good. Uh, but as we'll learn later, you'll learn that the the red dragon he actually thinks is alive and like talking to him. So he's actually working up the strength to get the beast on on him. Yeah, the try and contain it. It seems like yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah, because I reckon he did not go to a fancy tattooist because they were they should be smoking for one, and they <laughs> look like they did that shit in one go, which is not, yeah. normally not what they do. Like if for this one, this was one go, but it was one color, like my tattoo. Mm. But if you're doing a really colorful tattoo with that type of shading and that type of like, they would probably do the sh the border first. Yeah. Then tell them to come back in two weeks, and they then they do the coloring, and then come back in two weeks, and then do the fine detail work. I don't think they have enough screen time. Yeah, to show all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In reality, it would take uh, it would take a little while to get the tattoo. I think he probably did it like just because, like probably did it in one go just to get it out of the way. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like, I think they hinted at that he did it in an underground place, hence the like the Chinese looking store. <laughs> And like, and, like, when I saw the tattoo equipment, I was like, boy, that looks kind of old. <laughs> it's like, just use a rusty needle. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, what was going on there, but, yeah, I, I thought to myself, yeah. And that it's not just for him pain-wise doing it. But like, normally when you get tattoos, it's done in uh, different stages. It's also for the tattoo artist because that takes a really long time to sit there and just, like. Do it in small details. Yeah. yeah. So it's just mm -hmm. as important for the artist. So, yeah, I'm curious if it was both, like, an endurance test for both of them. <laughs> It's a shame we never meet the tattoo art. I really want to know, like, especially, um... Like, we see them, but we don't meet them. Yeah. Um, but I am, like, as a fan of the book, I'm really glad they kept that creepy-ass kimono detail from the books and the movie in the show. Like, because he wears the creepy-ass kimono in the book and in the TV, and in the movie. So I'm like, yeah! Keep that creepiness in there. <laughs> so it's a small <laughs> thing I love. creepy kimono. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a great time, can you tell? <laughs> so that's my favorite. Yeah, you're so much more hot here right now that we're not in Europe. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I put here. I made a note here. We're in Sonia's happy place. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Which is something I was, uh, I said it last episode, but there was a tweet uh, that reminded me that we're not supposed to be rooting for the serial killers. I got to the tweet and I retweeted mm. it and I'm like, yeah, I always need a reminder that we're not supposed to be rooting for Dollar Hyde and scene of Lecter going into into prison. And just so I can say, my his prison haircut is my favorite haircut. I love that haircut. It's so yeah. uh, it's so plain. I know it's plain, but it looks cool on him. <laughs> well, you know, it's clean cut and whatever, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't mind his uh like little his, like his little what his little like, you know, uh schoolboy whip <laughs> With hair. I don't pay attention to his hair like you guys do. <laughs> well, well, you don't stare at him as long as we. <laughs> I was like more like, like really excited about the the whole scene with like showing him going into the prison mm. and like just like oh it was just like really cool. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really notice his hair. <laughs> well, I noticed when I noticed he was in his underwear too. But one thing as a filmmaker, I am thinking about how hard it would be to shoot with that reflective ass plastic that covers Hannibal's cell. That would be so hard to shoot. Like I think they probably just covered the camera in black fabric, but still, like that would be so difficult. That's one trick, but you can also get uh, glass glasses that don't reflect. Mm -hmm. It's just more. More expensive. <laughs> but he reflects. That's the thing, too. So I'm like, what did they do? Well, they probably just layered two shots together. One shot's with reflective glass and the other half isn't. But who knows? Mind blown. <laughs> but it's beautiful. <laughs> but I also love that scene because I love how they go in and out of what Hannibal sees and what is actually true. Like, yeah, his uh, mind palace and uh, what's actually happening in reality. Mm -hmm. Which I really mm -hmm. love. I feel that was a nice touch with, you know... Again, it's so funny. You think it almost looks crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it definitely tricked me <laughs> when I was watching it the first time. I was like, "Wait, he's out of prison? Why?" <laughs> and then, like, they changed like how um, he's not like in prison clothes, and you you see that there's a glass between them. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh, okay, never mind." He's in prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get that it's like a pleasure thing for him. Like, he prefer like he is. <sighs> It's like, no, I don't have to be in a prison. I can be in my palace. Mm -hmm. So that's where he is. But at the same time, it still feels kind of crazy to me. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, if that's legit what he's seeing, then it's like... Um... He's kind of nuts. <laughs> it's, no, it's very much Hannibal. Mm -hmm. 
Because, mm. you know, he's in prison, but in his mind, he's not in prison. Of course, he's still winning. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Well, knowing this, it, it makes more sense in the movie The Silence of the Lambs to see why Hannibal doesn't move around his cell that much. Like, if, he's, if that's what he's seeing in his mind, then that's probably why he's not really doing anything when Clarice comes upon him in the in the jail like uh, it gives me a whole new uh, appreciation for other things I didn't mean to say like say appreciation like that it's like too much saliva in my mouth <laughs> but uh, really funny um, my husband made a note and then I, I made it in here because I actually didn't notice uh, he says uh, did you notice that Hannibal's cell grows with each new reincarnation of the Retelling of the sh of Hannibal oh. in um, Manhunter, small white cell bars, Silence of the Lambs, small black cell but with plexiglass, plexiglass, and instead of bars, yeah, we have the glass instead of bars, and he has the privilege to draw, so there's drawings all over his uh, cell. And then in the TV show, he's in a giant ornate room, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he was allowed sharp objects, pencils, and, and a wine glass. Yeah, that's fucking glass. <laughs> Yeah, all he has to do is smash it and it becomes a, a dagger. <laughs> and I'm just saying, like, how long would that take for, like, someone to go in there and clean up glass if you were to break it? Yeah. Right? I'm just saying. Like, we know Hannibal wouldn't do it because he's a trickster that way. But still. But it's still, like, it makes sense, though. I think it's more of, like, an aesthetic thing for the thing. Cause I, like, for the I show, think, yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, so Will got to spend all his time in a fucking bird cage? Yeah. yeah. Who gets that? <laughs> like, what the hell? He killed 20 people that exactly. we know of. <laughs> so, it's <laughs> just like, ew. The only thing I can think of, it, it feels like, uh, you know, if you put him in a nice place, uh, maybe he'll just sit still. And not do anything. Else. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like I almost equate it to a child. If you put a child in an interesting room, they'll entertain themselves for a long time in that room. Whereas if you put them in the most boring ass room, they want to get out. What was so, your boring ass room when you were a kid? My boring ass room. Yeah, because I I'm thinking about H and R Block in particular when I was a kid. Well, it's tax season, obviously, by the time of this recording. And whenever my parents would take me to H and R Block to go do their taxes, whenever I was a kid, I was like that was like the most boring place on earth. Like if you could put a kid in any horrible place, that would be the worst place in the world. I think <laughs> almost any waiting room was oh, the yeah, worst for, for sure. me. Uh, even when they had a book or a toy there for kids. Um, they were always shit, so. Yeah, it's always, like, the little, like, um, the dial that goes around, like, the tubes. Yeah, and yeah. That's, those... the, that's the only thing they have for kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'd still play with it, but I remember yeah, still too. being bored. But they don't give them, like, like more toys or, like, a library full of books. They just gave them maybe, like, three books and that little thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It depends where you are, too, in this, in this, in a waiting room of all places in this world. But, yeah, it all depends. But that's how I figure, I feel like, uh, people in this universe realize that you got to keep Hannibal semi-stimulated or else he'll he'll think of ways to get out he'll think of ways That's to get out baby <laughs> yeah and sure enough three years later something happens and it peaked his interest and here yeah, we are three years later yeah we're, we're recording this three years after the last episode yeah. <laughs> we have time skipped oh, as yeah. well yeah. <laughs> so. Oh. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we time skipped. So like three years in the future now. Mm -hmm. So, but I like that Alana is running the hospital now. I knew. I but that. I would like personally, I would be way too freaked out to work there if Hannibal was there. If I were her, like I know she thinks she's safe because he's in prison, but he promised to kill her. <laughs> and she well, knows this. Too. Well, that's probably why she's working there. That she can keep an eye on him personally. <laughs> so, be too afraid. That's me, though. I'm too much of a nerd. She's not the type of person to go into hiding in yeah. case he runs away. She'd rather be there in action to know, like, what's happening. Yeah, she seems like, uh, she seems uh, fearless a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did I figure something out? <laughs> so. I was listening. I was like, you meant that I said, uh, like, you guys were talking about me being a killer. I'm like, what? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> that was what Celeste said there. I was like, eh. So. Uh, uh, like I'm just too much of a wuss though. Like, cause uh, like I freak out when I see my accountant's name come up on my phone. So it's like I'm too afraid of things. I'm just hiding and an anxiety induced state in my room. Like even though my accountant is a brilliant person, but still, Sonia, like, you need to relax. Thank you. <laughs> We're passing around the wine right now. Well, it's tax season. I hate tax season. Especially when you're a freelancer. <laughs> yeah, I ended up owing the government this year, but oh well. I hate owing the government. What have they done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> and then now we got one of your favorite people's back. 
Chilton. Chilton, who wrote a book I would probably read. <laughs> I, I, was, I was surprised to see him because I totally forgot about him. And I, I kind of put him on the dead list <laughs> in my mind. I was like, wait, wasn't he dead? Oh, wait, I don't remember what happened. I thought we killed him. <laughs> <laughs> like, so many people died in season one and two, so I like I, I couldn't keep track of all of them. Hmm. Yeah, like, what happened to him during Europe? I think he, like, just disappeared. Uh, yeah, he just didn't appear because he was trying, he was provoking everybody to like come on you know let's uh, let's oh, do a right, thing with Hannibal yes. and everybody said no Chilton but then they were like wait that is a good idea though to do something about, <laughs> about Hannibal they just took his idea yeah just took his idea away and yeah, left him out <laughs> but like, on the bright side he lived because he was left out so but he's still in the show so he's still in danger <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah anybody who appears is always in danger it's terrifying <laughs> maybe that's a good idea that the tattoo artist didn't make it more against <laughs> the show. Or maybe he killed him so he wouldn't be able to tell. Mm. No, it, it doesn't I don't know. It wouldn't make sense. I think it aims for a family. So. Yeah. But I think that's the point of going underground is, you know, everyone doesn't talk. Talks, yeah. So. But I like the the eating of the blood orange dessert. That looks so good. I, was like, I know, right? <laughs> I, blood. I just had to make a note here. <laughs> I've read a fanfic of a similar theme where... At least I think this is what happened. I was trying to remember as I was watching it. I couldn't remember exactly who asked who. But anyway, uh, I think it's where Will asked Hannibal that uh, to make that dessert, but from their own blood. And within this dinner dessert thing, it was a different kind of consummation relationship. <laughs> Though it was physical but not, which was, I was very fascinated by how this writer did it. They were intimate but not. Yeah. You know, they, they would, you know, exchange glances. They would... Mm. You know, they would occasionally touch, and it was like a peck on the hand, a peck on the cheek. It was very, very, so polite. <laughs> and then the way she wrote that scene with the fucking blood orange, I was like, oh my god. This, <laughs> like, is, this is almost, kind of <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was almost exotic. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm awful, I cannot remember which one it is, because I've just read so much, so many. Yes, I've read so many. And <laughs> only my super, super favorite do I save in my uh, whatever. What's your? Yeah, bookmarks. On your bookmarks yeah. or uh, your dash or whatever you call them in uh, archive of our own. Uh, and if it didn't really strike me super much, then I didn't. But that's so cool. Like uh, That's one of my favorite things about uh, media is when one scene in particular strikes you the most that you always remember it. Mm. That's why I really love um, really crappy movies, but they have scenes that stick with me every single time. Because like, yeah. that's why I like movies and stuff, uh, movies and any media are supposed to hit you in the, in the emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So any movie that does that like fulfills that goal, even if it's terrible. So like that's why I'm, I really love that. Like, I think that's why fan fiction is so popular. Yeah, and it's yeah. just it's a nice little uh, filler too in between <laughs> while you're waiting for episodes to come out, or if your show ends, it's just it's a nice pillow to land on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was really gross to me. Like, okay, we gotta jump a little bit because I, I did not realize there was a whole other scene. But yeah, uh, I really love how Chilton is still throwing shade at Hannibal, and mm. um, isn't it sad that Hannibal has to hang out with Chilton? <laughs> and the fact that Chilton seems to be flirting with him. I know, right? It's just, it's just, he baits him with the whole red dragon thing or slash tooth fairy. I swear it's just, I think it's just because he, he kind of did, he did the, he jumped the gun on what Will was going to do, mm -hmm. which is talk to Hannibal and get his opinion on it. He just got there first. Yeah. His is for strictly literary money gossipy, reasons, money yeah. making reasons. Mm -hmm. But I think that's supposed to be the foreshadowing. It's just like, oh. So we're going to get Hannibal's insight on the whole Tooth Fairy thing. So. But speaking of the Tooth Fairy, the makeup work on Dollar Heights cleft lip is fabulous. I don't know how mm. they did it because oh, yeah, it looks no, so, yeah, it looks so real. Like, it, it was so, I was like, oh my, it's such, it's so subtle, but it's such a work of art because like, mm -hmm. it looks like it's been repaired, but it still has a little bit of the opening. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think I've seen how, how they did that for, uh, for Mass in uh, Men and Chicken because his character also has a cleft lip cleft lip i think it's like a weird little hook thing they put in there and then it's just a little hook that just tapes it mm -hmm. and it gets that and then they put the prosthetic over top so oh. it just makes it look uh yeah. <laughs> but, but probably something similar and also my favorite scene in the whole freaking show is that scene of Dollarhide standing nude in the backyard covered in blood then looking up at the moon and the blood looks like some sort of monster ooze or something because it's covering him right yeah so it's that line from uh silence of the, i think it's like silence of the lambs right no it's from our dragon yeah blood blood in the moonlight it looks quite black and i'm yeah. like yeah <laughs> it's like 
like when I saw it, I'm like, and I just like how Dollarhide is both really aroused by it and then really terrified by what he's done. Mm. I, that was my favorite thing. I was just like, this is the best. Like even though this episode was really slow compared to our last episode, oh yeah, it was still pretty yeah, cool. It really is. Yeah, I was just like, whoa, we need to relax. <laughs> but I liked it because it brought us back to. Uh, the, the first season formula. Yeah, that's of, what I wrote in here. Of yeah. the Monster of yeah. the Week. Because that's what, something I really missed about it. I think that's why I didn't like Europe, is because like I came in for the Monster of the Week that will solve mm. crimes, like in his mystery machine with his Scooby Doos. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I came into the show <laughs> for. And so after all the longing looks and like the, the long gazes that are held and the European vacation, we get to the good stuff. <laughs> so, mm. But mostly I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> but. But not like it was. I think that's the thing that drew a lot of people to the show in the first place was the Monster of Week theme and seeing how Will reconstructed uh, killers doing stuff because oh, yeah. a similar formula happens in uh, like CSI Vegas, right? Mm. Where uh, oh, what's his name? His name in Vegas. Um, <laughs> Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> no, that's CSI Miami, I think. The, the the main guy who figures all that shit out, all this all the forensics of how a crime scene happened. What the hell is his name? I can help you. I have Grisham. Grisham. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, Grisham. Yeah. Grisham. Sorry, my bad. Grisham. That's it. Anyway, uh, point being, he would do a similar process. He would go in there with the lights off or whenever the crime happened, right? And he would reconstruct it. Of course, we wouldn't see it as fancy as we do here in Hannibal, but I think people have always loved that shit, seeing mm-hmm. how a crime scene is made. Because sure enough. Any normal person walking into those scenes, right? You see blood on the walls, and you just go, "Oh my god!" You just feel like there's a bloodbath in here. There's a murder here. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and you can't. You can't. <laughs> a really bad time of the month for a lady. <laughs> it was stuck to my pants, and then I tried spinning around. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I think people have always been fascinated with the process and how forensic people or uh, profilers think up this shit. Mm. So I think that's always been the favorite thing, and I think that's probably another reason why you, Sonia, wanted to also get to the Red Dragon, because <laughs> we also get back to trying to catch a monster that yeah. isn't Hannibal. Yeah, because I'm like, we caught oh, Hannibal is just, like, you just have to put Will's penis in a box and you would have caught Hannibal. Like, that's basically what was needed. And damn it, like, <laughs> well, you would have. It would have been like one of those Looney Tunes things. <laughs> with a snake with Jack hiding behind a hill <laughs> with a rope <laughs> ready to close it. <laughs> Someone draw that, please. <laughs> Uh, but Hannibal is still publishing in better journals than Chilton, and he's letting him know. Well, Alana was letting him know. Mm. But I think that's um, that's kind of against the law, though, because uh, in America, you're not allowed to make proceeds off of uh, your crimes. I think technically he is. I don't know for sure, but I would like. What would love to look more into that? Like that would be. So well, cool. I don't know if he's actually making money. I think he just put it out there for. I think that was a loophole, is he doesn't care about the money. He can't do anything with it anyway. He's in prison. Yeah. Like, I believe when you're in the prison system in America, you can make money, but you can, it's almost like slave labor. You only can make... Like 10 cents. Like, you can only make pennies and whatever. And then it's put in a trust for you. And it must be made through something through the prison. Yeah, you can't make money off the proceeds. From yeah. Because that's a, it's called uh, the Son of Sam law, I think. Because uh, Son of Sam wrote uh, a book, I believe, about his experiences and made a shitload of money off of it. And then uh, everybody's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's horrible. Like, a, a freaking, um, what's his name? Picton did the same thing. And then they they took the web, the book off of Amazon just to, like, because it was so obscene. Like, it was just creepy to me. Mm. Uh, but I'm glad we have gotten to the Nine Inch Nails video portion of the show. The way the creature made out of equal parts franchise in the projector that was the coolest scene oh. I love that scene it was like a Nerd Spills video but who watches stuff on a projector I don't know digitize that I stuff I don't know projectors just... are pretty cool though. I know they're cool <laughs> like sometimes I watch movies in my backdoor of the projector uh, well, I also think it's like a, a safety thing too because um, then there's no other copy other than that film because once you only make the one you have to make mo- that was the only thing too with the old school film is you also had to make copies 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 of film there wasn't and then film also deteriorate deteriorates over time so it's also insurance for himself to just oh yeah know, he can burn it if he needs to yeah and he Aww. can always get rid of the uh the original uh stock footage or whatever that he used to make it or i don't know what yeah, because digitizing is pretty dangerous like even um i know like reading up on um 
childborn arrest that I, I read up about. Yeah, like I have a really fascinating life, people. Like, <laughs> get into my brain and, walk, brain and walk around. But um, even if you delete stuff off your computer, there's still a trace of it there. Yeah. And so it's really fascinating to me to read about that type of like uh, computer forensics. It's really interesting. So mm-hmm. I think that's why he probably doesn't go digital or anything. Oh. Yeah, I think the only way you really could like completely wipe your computers, you, uh, it's my understanding, it's almost like a weird thing. You have to re override your uh, computer once, then twice, then three times. Mm-hmm. Then the original data is corrupted enough that it's extremely hard to find whatever you want. But then also, surefire way, it's just that your computer on fire. Yeah, break it. <laughs> Throw it off a fridge. <laughs> or put a magnet on it. And then yeah, oh, there yeah. I. I actually have ruined a computer now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, neat fact I discovered through through iPhones. Did you know, like, when you take a picture and say if you delete it, right, mm-hmm. uh, you think, okay, it's gone. Forever. It's not gone. What? It's still there. Again, you'd have to completely, uh, like, reset your, your phone and whatever to, to actually get rid of a lot of pictures. Um, I discovered it. It was the darndest thing. Uh, and a friend of mine, uh, he was asking me that same question. He said, did you notice this and this about your phone? I was like, yeah, actually. He's like, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> so what it is, and if you, especially iPhones, I, don't, I honestly don't know about other phones, but I don't know if you've seen this option where like, uh, you can make little videos. There's a new option in the, in the, in the Photos uh, app that says, you know, make a video of all your happy memories. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, my phone did that. It picked out a few random pictures, but it also picked pictures that I deleted. Ugh. I was like, and then even pulled pictures that I deleted like long time ago, because it, it was repeating. Like I have a thing where I'll like push the button a bunch of times and try and find a, a good picture in there. Oh yeah. One of these little videos it made was just a bunch of those pictures, and I was like, "That's a little creepy." It was creepy. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I deleted you." <laughs> so recently, oh I've reset my phone and then put everything back in there. So yeah, I was just like, and then I thought, well, maybe that's what happened. I reset it, a backup, put it on there. But uh, Dan was telling me, no, he says, once you've deleted it off your phone and then do a backup, it's gone. Oh, it's gone. Or it should be gone. So then I was like, oh, my goodness. So, because I've, so, I've sold my old phones. And I was like, Jesus, I really hope all my old stuff is gone. <laughs> Not that I had anything lewd in there. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they're, they're, they're private pictures, family pictures, pictures of my niece, you know, mm-hmm. or any other babies I babysat. So mm-hmm. I was really weirded out by that. Yeah, it creeps me out, like, because I really hate the... The fact that if you mention, like, anything around your phone, you'll get a Facebook ad about it later. That freaks me yeah. out. It's like, oh, I better shut this phone off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's completely true, but I have noticed that. Like, um, there was a thing that happened recently. I was talking about something, yeah, and then it showed up on my computer on Facebook, and I was like, pretty sure I didn't type that in a search. Even if you don't, yeah, it's always showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my fave piece of fan art in a, is a drawing someone did of Francis where he is looking at his Red Dragon books, like the big ledger, mm-hmm. and it is just teeny bopper pictures of Hannibal with like, his heart's drawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the scene with uh, Francis, like, Francis's book makes me hesitant to ever start scrapbooking. Because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I remember there's a huge thing in the... Because he bought that in a state sale in the book because he just thought it was like the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. It's mm. just like a basic ledger book but it's pretty cool i was gonna say um the things i find why i think and i could be that crazy (laughs) Uh, why i think a lot of people and by people i usually say women prefer hannibal over the red dragon and you're probably the exception sonia um (laughs) and and it's i but i think one part of it i could be wrong one part of it i think is um hannibal killed adults yeah Red Dragon kills children. Kills children. Yeah. That's what I wrote in so. here. Hold on, sorry. Uh, I'll jump ahead to it. Uh, the uh, where did I put it? But uh, Francis Dollarhide is the first killer in the series that explicitly commits sex crimes. Mm-hmm. I recall us mentioning a few episodes back that it was Brian Fuller's intention to not make sexual assault tantalizing on the show mm. when they were planning to adapt Red Dragon, and they did not have killers previous that committed this committed sex crimes. Mm-hmm. So it was like because uh, I was wondering how they were. Do Red Dragon with that rule in place? Like mm-hmm. they don't make it like as they make it obvious. They just like kind of say something about it. Yeah, that th- that she had like the mirrors in her vagina and stuff like that. I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh. like, well, she was dead before it happened, but still. Ooh. Yeah, it's just like 
Yeah. Because, like, I like him just because of, um, we see what, um, we get to see what Hannibal thinks of other killers. That's what I really like about about Red Dragon. It's just, like, that Hannibal, like, is being insulted to be compared to this freaking like, monster. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, because he doesn't see himself as, like, as akin to Francis, I guess? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's just, like, really creepy to me. Like, it's really cool. I don't know why I'm so, like, not attracted, but, like, so compelled by the story. I think it's just because uh, of why people are compelled by Dahmer. Because, like, the background and stuff and seeing how, like, things add up to make make you this person. But I'm like, Will had a bad life, too, but he's not that person. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool to me. But... Oh my god! So I wanted to write. A, I wrote a note here when uh, Jack shows up. Yeah, <laughs> I love that there's that beginning part. There's no dialogue. It's just looks. And I remember thinking when the first time I saw that I was Will, and my first thought was, oh, "Fuck!" Here he comes to ruin Will's life. Yeah, it's like, oh my god! Oh, but Hugh Dancy looks so cute. Yeah, yeah I wrote in the woods and his toque and his <laughs> Even though I love Jack, doesn't he know when to leave Will? <laughs> It's almost like he depends on Will for, like, his job. Like, yeah. <laughs> do his job if he needs someone else to do it. And he's guilting the hell out of Will, too, by saying, like, would you feel good if, like, some, another family dies during the full moon? I'm you like, know, think that he learned his lesson? With Hannibal. <laughs> but here we go the again. To you. The circle continues. It's been three years. He's like an ex who texts when drunk. <laughs> Wasn't uh, in the movie, though. Uh, or I don't know if this is true in the book. You'd have to tell me, Sonia. Um... The whole point that Jack Crawford even came to Will was because he wanted actually Will to go to Hannibal yeah. for for the insight. I think that was the case in the in the book. In the movie, it's more explicit because yeah. um, in the movie, uh, Will is a protege mentor mentee of Hannibal mm-hmm. and Hannibal like because they're trying to find the Chesapeake Chesky Ripper Hannibal mm-hmm. and Hannibal tries to kill him because he found out who he was yeah. and that like Will is to able to take him out somewhat. And then he ends up ends up in the hospital and stuff. And mm-hmm. so Jack gets him to go back because they need help to try and find this horrible man. Right. Because, like, in Hannibal's case, yeah, he's only killing one person at a time. Like, this guy's killing at least five people in one go. It's, every it's month. family. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, more... Children, so I guess it is more serious. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, that, like, I remember listen, there's this really cool podcast called Laser Time, and they recently did an episode on kids in peril, and it's about um, how you don't kill children in, in movies and books and stuff. Because, like, um, somebody mentioned that, like, the fact that they electrocuted Tim in Jurassic Park, like, really raised the stakes for them, because they're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, they're gonna kill a child in this movie! Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that's why Pan's Labyrinth works so well, too, because they kill a child in that movie. Spoiler! It's been out for a while. But, like, <laughs> but yeah, like, it's whenever, like, it's why Mason was so much worse than Hannibal, because he hurts children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just like, I don't know, like, I seem like a monster now that my favorite characters are the ones who hurt kids. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> don't look bad at me. <laughs> no, no, I get it. But speaking of Will um, being hesitant to return to Jack... This is related to this week's segment. So this week's Under the Table True Crime segment focuses on post-traumatic stress disorder and police officers. This information comes from a Psychology Today article. So post-traumatic stress disorder, or the post-traumatic stress injuries, is a serious disabling condition affecting police officers, but it's an injury, not a life sentence. Policing is a complex profession, far more complex than most people understand. What other job requires you to be combat ready at the same time you are called upon to be a counselor, a priest, a lawyer, and a social worker? What other profession authorizes you to use deadly force and then mandates that you attempt to save the person you just tried to kill? There are approximately 900,000 sworn officers in the U.S., and according to some studies, 19% of them may have PTSD. Uh, an officer with PTSD cannot think clearly, is probably hypervigilant, has a short fuse, may not be sleeping well because of nightmares, might be policing in a reckless manner, is constantly triggered by reminders of the event, is self-medicating or making such great efforts to avoid a similar situation that he or she is not doing their job properly. When an officer is involved in a shooting, he will temporarily he will temporarily experience physical, cognitive, and behavioral symptoms. Time slows down or speeds up. Hands or weapons appear larger than life. Gunshots don't sound the way they do on the firing range. 
And afterwards, memory degrades, so does patience, isolation increases, it's hard to sleep to stop thinking about the shooting or to engage in, normally fa in normal family activities. The officer is dieseling at the curb, her body responding to triggers as though the cop was still in, fight, in a fight for her survival. None of us gets to vote on these reactions. They are involuntary, generated by a storm of stress hormones and neurochemicals activated by the human response to threats against survival. Normal or not, post-traumatic stress can make an officer feel as though she is going crazy. Cops are often reluctant to seek, seek help, fearing it will jeopardize their jobs or make them look weak. Um, one of the initial cops that arrived for the Pulse nightclub shooting was recently fired after seeking help for PTSD related mm. to his, uh, his time on, uh, checking out the Pulse shooting. So it's pretty, it's still common. Like, it's really creepy. Mm. Uh, there are many evidence-based treatments for PTSI, residential, residential treatment, eye movement desensitization, and reprocessing. Long exposure therapy, which I don't advocate because it's terrifying. Cognitive behavioral What's prolonged therapy. exposure? So, uh, for example, um, so I had a behavior modification prof who told, who found out I was terrified of mice and rats. Mm. So he told me that if I spent a half hour in a room with a rat or a mouse that was uncontained, after that half hour I would be cured of it forever. But during the half hour that you're in there, your body's responding to the fight or flight response, right? Yeah. And I told him if he did that, I'd kick the door down. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, your body can only react for so long before your body goes back to normal. Mm. So my stress would be up for 20 minutes, and then my body would be like, oh, yeah, we can't do this anymore. Go down. So, and I'm like, okay, that's the, sh like, it's effective, but the 20 minutes is really traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I would not want to do that. Like, my fear is spiders. Do not, oh my god. <laughs> I would not do that for like a thousand dollars. Because that's the most extreme of it. Like, they start small. Like, you're supposed to start with like, okay, there's a mouse on the other side of the room in a cage. I'm slowly closer to the cage today. So mm. they do it in sessions? Yeah, they do it in sessions. Like, he wanted to do it quickly. And I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. I'll kick the door now. Mm. Uh, you can also do peer support and cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. Behind every officer who is involved in a critical incident, there is almost always an invisible family left to pick up the pieces or to watch helplessly as a once familiar and loving individual changes into a stranger. Aww. Police families are at risk for secondary traumas, also known as vicarious trauma or compassion fatigue, an emotional response with symptoms that mimic PTSD. It results from indirect exposure to a traumatic event through repeatedly listening to vivid first-hand accounts of the event. In some families, an officer's reluctance to talk about what happened can damage the intimacy needed to form and maintain a relationship. Mm. One of the friends of the podcast, Laura Mershermer, um, has been very vocal about his experiences of PTSD in relation to the Picton uh, investigate, murder investigation that he was assisting on. Mm. And yeah, it's really been a positive experience because he mentioned a lot about how this is often the case with a lot of police officers. Because they're only human, right? Like, they're not, like... They're not emotionless robots, no matter how much the, the states make us think they are. <laughs> but, yes. like, they they do suffer from horrible things, and it's, like, a really difficult job. So, mm. get some help if you need it. If you're a cop <laughs> dealing with this stuff, go see somebody. Yeah, no shame. <laughs> yeah, no shame. Get some help. Like, we want to see you around. Like, we need more good cops. Like, yeah. can't have a freaking original Night Stalker be the, the definition of cops. <laughs> so, but, anyway. <laughs> so, speaking to that, then. Yes. Getting back into the episode. Um, after Jack is there, and then uh, Jack's talking, or uh, Will's talking to his new wife yeah. and son, uh, he says to his wife, uh, oh, what's her name? Molly. Molly, thank you. Um, if I go, I'll be different when I get back. And I thought to myself, I don't think you ever were actually, like, like this little happy husband thing you are. If anything, this happy husband thing you are, I think is, uh, is, act? is, is an act is a lie. I almost feel like it's his, uh... His cover. His cover, like, yeah. Like, he's undercover. That's his thing. He's in hiding from Hannibal, even though he knows exactly where he is. <laughs> Don't you dare poison this beautiful scene! <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just as much as I want to believe in this happy home, mm -hmm. and it's probably, it's probably from, because I know what's coming. Uh, I look at it with a new lens, and it's just, I don't know if he's just... Happy as he looks in there, like he appears. I probably read too much fan fiction <laughs> of everyone's opinions of what's actually going on in this, these relationships, but uh, yeah. Well, I because I love Molly, but I also believe that she is too good for Will. But I believe that. 
Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I think Will needs somebody like Molly and yeah. just normal and just keeps him grounded. And after the shit, shit storm of like his Europe trip mm-hmm. and just like everything before that, like he needs something like Molly mm-hmm. to hold him down. But I think they summed up their relationship well when when he was talking about how Molly will always bring home strays, and I'm like, she's, yeah, he's that was a good summary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how, and he got his dogs back. And like, I know, yeah, like twice as many dogs. <laughs> yeah, their like. house is basically a bigger version of his old house. I yeah. Really like, I really like that. It, like, it seems like he's happy, and as much mm-hmm. a way he can be happy. <laughs> like, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I know that they were married. Did they ever explain? Like, I think they are married, right? They are. Yeah. 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 In the show, yeah. They are married in the book as well. In yeah. the movie as well. Um, you'll see it later. I don't know if there's close-ups, but you, you see the wedding ring on his hand. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're mm-hmm. unmarried. And Hannibal makes comments about it. Oh, yeah. oh no. But he figures it <laughs> it's out. coming. Yeah. Oh, no. But, like, uh, the one thing I hated, though, he brings out the Hannibal letter like a fucking slut. <laughs> I wrote here, Will kept Hannibal's letter in his fucking dresser drawer, like where we all something. keep our private shit. <laughs> you know, that's where most ladies keep their, like, dildos, right? So he's like, my letter. <laughs> And it's just, it's still pristine. So, you know, he hasn't touched it, but yeah. still, I was like, fuck, push. Like, I, like, okay, call me crazy. And I could be just, you know, making up stereotypes here. But if I was a dude, I'm pretty sure it'd be like in my little office, off in a desk drawer somewhere, kind of buried in my shit. Yeah. You know, like out of sight, out of mind, but not, but still not so super private that it's, you know. If, I think, like, if I were him, I would have put it in, like, uh, the boat, like, motor plate. Like, his, his like, yeah. shack. Yeah. Something like that, but, like, in your fucking dresser drawer. That's where that, people put condoms. Yeah, yeah, like, that thing says <laughs> intimate and super private, then your dresser drawer. So, uh, <laughs> put that out there. And Hannibal telling Will not to go back would, he knew that telling Hannibal Will not to go back would make him go back. I hate the show. I know, I know everyone just baits each other, right? Mm-hmm. And eggs each other on because they're bored as shit. As well, Hannibal is in prison with no TV. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I wrote that right here. I pers- personally like, I like to return to pr- the procedural side of things. Mm. I'm a sucker for crime. The effects work of Will seeing the bodies in the light of his flashlight in the dark was mm. so cool. I love that scene. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool effect. And that's what I was also saying uh, back to uh, uh, CSI where they try and do those reconstructions in the TV show. Here it's completely different. Like, I love that they had a little bit more budget for that CGI of it's just, like, like sh- panning the light and you see the bodies and they disappear. And I thought I thought it was just so... It's another glimpse in how Will's mind works. And it's fun. I like coming back to this. <laughs> it's kind of sad that season three has, like, all these great, amazing effects. <clears throat> and, so, and there's, like, no season four. Yeah, that bothers yeah. me. It seems like they had the budget. <laughs> At least I had to pick out an old wound there, didn't you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's something I observe. I am here to observe. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, uh, the freaking bed when he sees it finally, like, you get to see his reaction of what what it looks like, but it looks like something out of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, let this be a lesson to you, dear listener. Never have glass doors. <laughs> Who has glass doors? Get a freaking steel one. I don't care if you live in the in the suburbs. Get a door. I was talking about that. I made a note about that too, actually. Um, incidentally, uh, I don't think this is how glass cutters work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not as simple as you know that that weird That's like. Really <sighs> What you're supposed to do is that's supposed to weaken the glass at a point, and you're actually supposed to break it. You're still supposed to break it, not like, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't just pop out like a like little. Strike like losing boots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, just, you're, it's just meant to smash it. Mm. And what I, I think what you're actually supposed to do is, yeah, you use the glass cutters and it weakens the glass. Then you put tape on it. You. And it'll break it, but then you can then you just peel off the tape, and then the glass will come with it. Oh. That that I would have believed ten times more than just <laughs> stick my hand in, open the door, yeah, <laughs> So that's not how it works for a show that's like all about the crime. <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how it works. But one of the like I really love the creepy return to the procedural stuff because that scene where Will pulled the kid out from under the bed was so creepy. I know. Yeah, it was yeah, like because yeah. uh, like, he didn't even hurt like. He just shot him in the head, probably, right? He yeah. didn't actually prolong it, but the idea of pulling the kid out of the bed and then shooting him, like, the kid died in fear. Oh. <laughs> I, know, I know, for a minute there, I, I flashed back to, like, just one, I wonder what that day on set must have been like. Just for, for the that. kid, yeah. It's such a brief shot. It's literally, like, two seconds. 
but still you have to prep the kid. All right, you got to look you got to look afraid, kid. You're you're about to die. <laughs> Action. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, I remember um, reading about the shining and the kid they had to play Danny. Um, Stanley mm-hmm. Cooper, who is not known for protecting his actors, like he yeah. actually made uh, Scat Scat Man Crawler shoot the same scene like seventy times, <laughs> the exact same thing. Uh, was Danny? He actually w- didn't tell him what the movie was about. So like whenever they have scenes like where he's in like hiding in the lock, hiding in the in the in the in the storage drawer there, mm-hmm. uh, they had Kubrick told them, okay, I want you to look happy, I want you to look sad. I want you to look like you're laughing. I want you to look scared. And he'd only ever use the scared ones mm. without telling him what was going on. So I was really like, I really love when people take care mm. of kids like that. Because like, it is traumatic. Like, yeah, it's like you should really, yeah, I know, it's a pet peeve I have with, uh, it's a really old school way of uh, directing. I'm glad it's still, it's frowned upon now. Um, trust your actors to give you that performance. Don't lie to them so that you get this, a real reaction from them. Because then that's not acting, that's... You're, you're, you're <laughs> potentially, abuse. yeah, it's yeah. abuse. You know, it's borderline abuse, and you're you're potentially, uh, uh, yeah, traumatizing your actors. Like, mm-hmm. and speaking with of that same film, The Shining. Uh, what's her name? Who played the mom? Yeah, played the. Uh, apparently, Kubrick pushed her to the edge so much, he wasn't getting the reaction he wanted. So basically, like berated her to the edge of just she was ready to walk, and then it's like, okay. Now we're ready to shoot. Oh. Do the scene. Oh, and so apparently all that stress you see on her on the screen is like half of her actually Freaking stress. Out. Feeling yeah. that way. Yeah, so it's like, yes, it looks cool, but... So he's both like an angel and an asshole, this director? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes he has a beautiful vision, but, you know, the fact that he had to get real things to happen, to me, so doesn't speak well to you as a director mm-hmm. yeah it's like you're like they, they bring it out of themselves like that's why i really hate some some directors because i'm like like I, I hated tarantino when he said that he actually choked the actress in inglorious bastards mm. to get the reaction out of oh her I'm like you don't need to do that like ugh. like uh i remember reading about charlie chaplin's the kid um charlie chaplin was directing it and he he goes up to jackie coogan and um Jackie Coogan's father and says, ja- um, we need to get Jackie to cry for the scene. And Jackie Coogan's dad is like, I got this. So he goes up to him and he says, if you don't cry, we're going to put you in a work home for real. And the kid starts freaking out, right? Like Aww. so, Or when Aww. they told the uh, one time in another movie, they told him they were going to shoot his dog. Yeah, I remember reading that uh, one too. I'm just like, what? And they went behind a corner with the dog and they made a shooting sound. Oh and then the boy, God. like, finally cried on camera, and then they showed him that his dog was, you know, fine and whatever. But they basically traumatized that kid for life. Yeah, so. like, that's so horrible. And his parents stole all his money. Yeah, and that's also... Yeah. He played Uncle Fester on the 60s TV show, but, like, yeah, like, that kid had the worst parents. Like, oh. That's why, like, yeah, you should just trust your actors, you know? It's like, you'll find, like, I always find... Yeah, you'll find on early on in the process if you did cast a, an actor wrong and doesn't quite have the the chops, then yeah, then recast. You know, sometimes and then sometimes I always try and give a, le- a level playing field when I watch a movie and I think, wow, that performance was shitty. <laughs> I give it equal equal blame to the director and the actor. You know, it's like cause mm. you gotta director should push the actor in a good way. Yes, you know, in a, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, to get that performance. And then an actor should still have that experience, chops, and effort to give us that performance. Yeah, I don't think people should be in danger. Like, yeah. I was listening to a, 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 a podcast episode about Jurassic Park, and there's a scene in Jurassic Park where the T-Rex comes through the sky, the the sunroof of their car, and almost kills the kids. Mm-hmm. The The glass wasn't supposed to break, and it almost crushed the kids. Yeah. And I'm just what? like, like, keep the kids safe! <laughs> Jesus! Like, like, I don't, like, I work primarily with kids in my narrative, so it's like, I mm. am totally protective of them. Like, I don't want to like and usually kids are the best performers like if you tell them to be scared they'll they'll be they'll figure it out they'll find mm-hmm. it in themselves to do it it's adult actors who come in with all the shit that need to have that like method crap and i'm like well method's also another weird thing like that that feels like it needs to be real for them to do it well then it's like you're not a good actor yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i get i understand it's kind of like with um you're writing a story sometimes you know writers bring in what they know in life to their writing so it seems more real as you read it I get that. Sometimes you need life experience to do it. Enough. Like, you really don't need to go <laughs> super hardcore to just be like, 
Yeah, I remember what that felt like. <laughs> now I can bring it to the performance. Well, I like when Matt, what Matt says like, about like down. how he he doesn't live in the minds of these characters once he leaves them. Mm. Like that's really cool to me because like during his time he's like focused hundred percent on the role, mm. and then he just leaves it behind like it's like an old piece of clothing or something. Yeah, that's healthy. People who have to do like the Daniel Day Lewis thing where you only make. 10 films every 10 years because it's so difficult. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> but before we end the show, I wanted to say, Scott Thompson is back! Science yeah. team is back! <laughs> he gets us the best line. I made a note here. Science team is back. But I love the effects they had for the eyes on the corpse. Like, cause oh, the, that was cool. That she was cool. Was, I love that. She looked like a dead eyes. fish. Oh, yeah, like her <laughs> eyes were all bloody and stuff. Oh, but couldn't the FBI put Will in a better hotel? Like, seriously, they're killing him. <laughs> like, get him in a better hotel. Um, uh, like, yeah, no, I thought that. I really love that motel sign. Look really cool. <laughs> just classic. But um, I don't know. I, I almost feel like Will maybe even picked it. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, get, give me something that's really off the grid. Just So he can there. just be by himself. So he can literally just be by himself. Like, it's a chore to go get Will. I feel like that was on purpose. <laughs> that could be just me. But um, I, I'd like to say, when Will and Hannibal reunite... Love Crime actually plays in the background. Really? I didn't see that. I, I, I'll Love play it. Crime. I'll yeah, find it. it's oh. a song. Oh, oh it's, it's yeah. coming. It's coming. <laughs> it'll be the. It'll be a thing. Yeah, you'll find. Give me a second. I'll bring it up. You'll want to listen to it once you know what it is. Okay. But again, I think I only noticed it because I was listening with headphones, and yeah. I was just like, "Oh no!" Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just hyperventilating. Okay. Oh, but also the fact that Will meets Hannibal in his in his mind palace church. Right. <laughs> I know, right? It's like I'll meet you in the same place. Was Hannibal thinking it, or was Will? That's what I wanted to know because they don't make it clear. You know what? I almost feel oh, like I almost feel like they're that because Will knew Hannibal told him what is. Mind Palace looks like. It looks like that that big church. So I actually think they both saw the same thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me just... Put, 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 put. <laughs> just a sec. My mistake. I also like that Will wants to dog from like that family. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that reminds me of a dog. <laughs> that reminds me of a fan art. So like Jack is telling them about the tooth fairy killing, and he's talking to Hannibal and Will, and like uh, Jack tells him like they killed the whole family and the dog, and Will, like Will's not reacting to any of the comments, and then yeah. when he says the dog, he's like, <laughs> 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 all right, here we go. <laughs> That that mirrored from uh, Sounds Lamb season one. They say the exact same thing at the end oh, or yeah. season one. Like, is it season one when Will's in jail, right? Yeah, Hi, it's the exact Lester. same thing. It says, it "says Hello, Will. Hello, Doctor Lecter." Both times, you know, because Will's really pissed off. <laughs> he has to <laughs> talk to me. Will in this con- talk to Doctor Lecter, <laughs> and I think he'll say uh, Hannibal will say it in the next episode. He'll say, "We're not on a first name basis anymore." <laughs> It's like mm-mm. you killed a bunch of people. <laughs> I moved on. <laughs> I'm married now. <laughs> but yeah, love crime plays in there, and I was just like, oh my god! So that'll come up later. For hmm. so, just just keep that in the back of your mind. Like, yeah, okay. it'll it'll be a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be a thing that'll. <laughs> well, how many episodes till the end? Because this is episode seven, I think, mm. right? Seven or six? Yeah, yeah. we like, did like the math for this. Yeah, we're thinking month. about it. Hold on, <laughs> that's like I'll pull it up again. Netflix, I love you for having Hannibal. Isn't it the six? Canadian Netflix? I think it's six. Six episodes? I always see that on Tumblr where uh, Fanable fans from all over the world are Why like, do you does think there's our, a need for? Shut up. Our, um, <laughs> they're, they're always like, hey, does our Netflix have Hannibal? And I'm like, Canadian does. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. 
don't think American does. American yeah. American doesn't. Well, I think it's on Hulu or something. Um, I I don't know. Uh, all the that's good though, because like American Netflix have all the one, best things. Two, well, in three, season three, four. when it originally aired, all the episodes aired one day early in Canada, and I was five. like, yeah. <laughs> so we have five episodes left after this. Oh, okay, five. man, okay. we're almost done. No, oh, so bittersweet. Yeah, but, but I, I still say we should watch the movies with Celeste. Get okay, it caught up on all. <laughs> all the things. Get it all all the things. But okay, we come to the end of the show. Unless anybody has some other thoughts. Mm. What was um, your okay one? Uh, it's like in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite and least favorite thing, Celeste? Well, that's not my favorite thing, but I noticed when I, when I was talking to Hannibal, mm-hmm. they they confirmed that Hannibal did some put something in her, her beard. beard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like I, talking about that like a while ago. I didn't. I don't. I haven't drunk beer since I found out what you put in mine. Oh, you mean who? Yeah. <laughs> or my favorite joke Ooh. during the blood and chocolate was like. It was only a cow in a derogatory sense. Yeah, like, I know, right? Where he's just like, ugh, and then, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> that would be basically me. It's like, oh yeah, this was uh, the, the horrible barista at Starbucks. <laughs> I remember my brother said in school he was uh, learning how to make that dessert, and he said almost everybody was struggling with it. It would always taste bloody. <laughs> it's a very delicate recipe. You need to do it just right, or yes, you will taste, taste the blood. Because yeah. all you should really is taste is like almost like dark chocolate. You should just taste a tart, mm-hmm. but mostly chocolate. So. That reminds me of my friend who posted uh, yesterday. She's like, how do you make white fish soup? And I'm like, okay, okay, Anna, get a pot, put the white fish in it, then put that pot in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I hate white fish. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite and least favorite part of this episode? Oh, this uh, favorite ep- part of this episode? Probably like back of the wheels, like empathy power, because I have missed that during the season one. Mm. It's like, it's so cool. Like, I both love and hate it because you get to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like once you saw that pendulum come back, right? Like, yeah! Like, throwback. <laughs> it is just, I don't know, I just kind of miss him. But I also, like, the whole, like, Red Dragon, like, he becomes Red Dragon, doesn't he? Yeah. Because hmm. the Red Dragon, because uh, Will, like, well, Francis and and Red Dragon are different different things. Like, it becomes clearer in, the, in later episodes. Mm. But, like, he tries to fight it. Like, and I think that the tattoo is a way of containing it in a way. But yeah, like, uh, oh, pretty cool. Yeah, like, because I really do, like, in later episodes, they do make them distinct. Like, that was pretty cool. Like, it's like Venom, basically. Like, mm. I don't know if you saw the Venom trailer, but yeah. yeah I, I saw the seen it. I saw the leaked clip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was super creepy. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, like, really cool, because you know how, like, Will kind of, even though he, he kind of, like, passes it after, you know, he solves a crime, mm. that crime still becomes part of him. So I can kind of see how he becomes the Red Dragon. After three years, it becomes, like, something very new. Hmm. At least that's my theory. Yeah. <laughs> when he becomes the Red Dragon later. But what was your least favorite? Uh, slow. And slow, I yeah. don't like Jack. Stop <laughs> yeah. ruining our lives! Going back to Will, making him do all this, even though he knows what happened last time. It happened. Because <laughs> he's, like, okay, he's, like, 0 for 4? Because he killed Marion. Well, Marion Lass is not dead. But, like, he's ruined her life. He's ruined Will's life. He's ruined, he basically ruined Bella's life. <laughs> so, just like, stop ruining people's lives. Yeah. How about you, JJ? Favorite and least favorite? Uh, let's see, you know what? I'm just <laughs> going to have to say my favorite is just the very end, obviously. Just <laughs> seeing Will reunite with Hannibal and just, oh, the drama starting all over again. <laughs> it's just so delicious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> least favorite, you know what? I don't know if I have a least favorite. Like, I am a little annoyed with Jack Crawford, but, you know, he seems to be the, the thing to bring us all together again, so. Um, don't shoot the messenger, yeah. I think the only thing, well, I don't hate it, but I say I'm just annoyed. Uh, but in a really kind of, like, I don't mind it, but it's kind of annoying, is Chilton back in there. Just, you know, like, let's make some money. We're going to be famous. <laughs> Talking about serial killers. Kind of like, out of place during... Like, with the whole squad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, he kind of, like, warmed himself in there. Yeah, it's like, like, I want to like him, but... He's like the tail-on little brother. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it, like, yeah. Like, if we were hanging out, he'd be the person going, can I come too? And then, yeah. like, your mom would force you to take him. <laughs> can I come he's like, too? Yeah, we're going to, like, we're going to go, <laughs> we're going to go solve crimes, and, like, we got to bring Chilton with us. <laughs> 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 but, 
But my favorite was the scene in the moonlight with the snow melting under the blood. Like, because, like, he obviously yeah. put that on just, like, the second he went out there because it was melting the snow. And I'm like, that was the coolest scene. And Richard Armitage talked about it on Instagram about, like, yeah, this was the guy who made me sit outside nude for four <laughs> hours. <laughs> like, he's talking about the makeup guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the time we got to stand outside in the middle of winter for four hours while I was naked. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was, yeah. Yeah. But that was such a cool scene. I just love that. Like, the way, like, because he obviously put it all over himself, and his horror at what he's done mm-hmm. was so cool. Because it's, like, it just, like, him, gra- like, he looked like he was going to turn into a werewolf, and then he's, yeah, like, Yeah, oh, I got that, yeah. too. It looks like he was, like, going to turn into the dragon, and then he, like, pulls it back, and he's, like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> like, it was really weird in this episode that like, he was, like, growling, and, like, supernatural things were happening. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was really, like, throwing me off. <laughs> But my least favorite was probably probably Jack coming. Jack directed me. Damn it, Jack! <laughs> oh, but we've come to the end of the show. Where can we find you on the interwebs, Celeste? You can find me on Tumblr and Instagram at Satuma S A T U M W A H. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as JJ Neeps. J-J-N-E-E-P-S or you can find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And you can find me on Twitter as Honey underscore Child uh, on Tumblr as Honey underscore or Dash Child and you can find Hannibal's Horny Abachi as Hannibal's Horny Abachi on Tumblr H.H. Abachi on Twitter and Hannibal's Horny Abachi on Instagram. And we should be returning like we and uh, JJ are heading out on film habit blues. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna be like we're recording these two episodes in advance just so we can like not have like a gap between things. So I'm thinking we probably will do that again next time. Like because I'm yeah. I really like this because I'm like yeah we can do yeah. More. So everything will be on time now. We'll get this. We'll get this once a week now. <laughs> thanks everybody yeah. who's still with us. Thanks really appreciate it. Like so we were freaking out last time we with the last episode we saw that uh, people from. Denmark were listening to us. Yeah. And like shout out to the people in England who were listening to us, the people in South Carolina, North Carolina, like I don't know why I said it with an accent. California, <laughs> <North> Carolina. <laughs> Boston, uh, India. Whoever is the person from India, please send us a message on Twitter or something. I really well, I prefer I pref- I'd love it if everyone sent us yeah, a message. Yeah, let us know who you are. Yeah. We really want to know. Okay. I will follow you back on social media if you if you message us. <laughs> But have a great day and read more up about the original Night Stalker because it's ghoul news. Yeah. <laughs>